Welcome to Dominion Sonship Life. Today we do have a message. We have a, a message. We have a message. We have divine utterance that we will endeavor to receive and to, to allow the Word of God to bring forth a thought that is a fresh, a thought that is from above to, to pick us up from, from, from the beneath moments that so want to want to lord it over us from the beneath moments that so want to communicate a lie to us from those places of the earth that so want to bring conformity to the world and so what are we now in christ doing we are pressing forward we are pressing forward we're refusing to look back refusing to cave under the pressure refusing to sink and and say woe is me we are those that overcome we overcome we overcome we're the overcomers of god and what causes us to overcome it is this christian faith that we have the fate of the Son of God, the fate of the Son of God that resides within us through the new birth. And this faith is based on the Word of God. Christian faith is based on, thus says the Lord, it is written. Christian faith is based on the Word of God. Not based on messages we hear on a regular basis. Not based on someone's interpretation and opinion of what they think, what they say the, the current doctrine is. Christian faith comes through the hearing of the word of God. And only Christian faith allows us to overcome. What is it overcomes the world? John writes in the first John 5, even our faith. Those that believe that he is the son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, have already overcome the world. Our faith in the overcomer. Our faith in the word made flesh. Our faith in the one that triumphed over the devil mightily. Our faith in our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, has made us more than conquerors. It's based on the Word of God. And so we've been talking about truth versus a lie. We've been talking about God is not a man that he should lie, that it is impossible for God to lie. We looked at Titus that, and we read Paul's writings in Titus 1 that God made a promise and with God there is no possibility of a lie. God, who cannot lie, made a promise. And we know the promise was fulfilled in Christ, the seed of Abraham, that we are now part of. To walk in that faith that we saw Father Abraham demonstrate against all hope, he hoped in God. Against all hope, he hoped in God. Where is your hope today? What against all hope, things are arrayed against you. Your hope is in God, the one that raised the dead back to life. Your hope is the faith, is in the faithful one. Like Sarah in Hebrews, let's go to Hebrews as this verse comes to me. God who cannot lie made a promise. And so today the message is open eyes. Open eyes. 
We in Christ have open eyes. The new birth has opened our eyes to see and to understand the mysteries of God. We have eyes to understand the word of God. We have ears that are unstopped. They're open to the word of God. Eyes to see are the eyes of the word of God that we meditate daily. That is our sight. In Hebrews 11. Verse 11. By faith. Faith based on the word of God. Of that which he promised Abraham. By faith Sarah herself. Not just her husband. Who did not consider his body as good as dead. Nor the barrenness of his wife's womb. Here we have the testament of Sarah herself. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength. It's how we receive strength today. Also received strength to conceive seed. Ha <laughs> ha. Strength to receive seed. Today we have strength to conceive seed. To receive the seed of the word of God, the implanted word of God, which is able to save our soul and to bear much fruit for the kingdom of God. And so today we are receiving strength by faith, by believing the word of God. She conceived seed and she bore a child. She bore a child. There was no miscarriage. There's no premature aborting of a mission. All the way. And so today we're receiving strength to run this race with perseverance all the way to the finish line. Just like Apostle Paul. Just like John. Just like Peter. Just like James. Not to shrink back and be dismayed by the hour. Disappointed by another circumstance. Strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child. When she was past the age when it was impossible for her to bear. Well, impossible to conceive seed and to bear a child. An heir to Abraham. Where a servant of his own household was going to be his heir. Was past the age. How did she receive strength? Does it matter how you judge the Lord? Does it matter how you receive his word? That's what I mean by judging the Lord. By judging this word if it is truth to you. Because this is universal truth, whether you believe it or not. But it will make a big difference in your life and in my life 
should we judge him as Sarah judged him? She judged him faithful who had promised. Glory be to God. So this is what we are about. We are about the word of God because we judge him as faithful who has spoken this word to us. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead, were born as many as he as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. Because a woman believed. Because a husband believed. And judged him thus as faithful who had promised. And Romans says the same thing regarding Abraham. Let's go to the book of Romans since we're talking about faith in the word of God. A little refresher course to remind us we have eyes that see. Father Abraham in Romans chapter 4, verse 17 As it is written, Romans 4, 17, As it is written, I have made you, I have made you, God said, a father of many nations. This was given to him when there was nothing but barrenness in their moment. This word of promise was given to Abraham when there was no natural possibility, where everything was exhausted as to how it could possibly be. But Abraham, as much as Sarah, had to count him faithful. There would have been no Isaac. There would have been no fulfillment of promise if faith was not used to receive strength to conceive seed and to bear a son. Does it matter what you believe? How you believe? Is that what you believe of the word of God mixed up with worldliness and doctrines of, oh, well, you know, in this situation, it just, it was just God's will for it to just be a flop in my life. Well, you know, in this situation, you know, I, 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 I might not fully understand, but you know what? I got to trust the will of God. No, we don't understand. And we do have to trust the will of God. But the will of God is very clear. Faith is required. And it does not look like I give up. I give up. I give up. It doesn't look like patching a moment with a doctrine that's not based on the word of God. So you can move on. And not go a little deeper in examining your own heart. Whether by faith you receive strength to conceive that seed of the word of God that said by his stripes you are healed. Or that said I'm for you, I'm working out a plan for you, trust me here. Don't go to the way of the world to find a solution. For your family matter. 
So many distractions that we're so familiar with that take us off course and really at that moment dilute our persuasion. Dilute our persuasion. And here God spoke as it is, I've made your father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed. God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Verse 18, who contrary to hope in hope believed. What does this look like for you and I? It looks like an intensity of pressing forward on nothing but the word of God. It looks like you running a race where you might not look and, and see anyone around you that's running the same way of believing solely the word of God. It looks like sometimes where you just consider a little strange and a little extreme. And not very full of etiquette. Christian etiquette. Or well, contrary to hope. This is violence in the spirit. When the lie is staring you in the face and it's communicating no possibility, you have to strip it down in your mind and make a decision again. I believe the Bible. And God is not a man that he should lie to me. And that which is promised to me in the word, I will, I will believe to the very end. And I'll trust this process of transformation that he has commenced in my life, that he'll complete it to the very end. But I will be a living sacrifice for him, undergoing mind renewal, by abiding in the word of God. That is not an easy feat, by the way. Be highly contended, very challenged, and a great death to the way you have perceived your life. Narrower and narrower it becomes for us in Christ because it's only about him living his life through us. As it was for Father Abraham, was he required to believe the word of God? Yes, he was. Were the Israelites who were taken out of Egypt through miraculous power of demonstration of the love of God towards his people? Were they required to believe the one that led them out of captivity to bring them in the promised land? Yes, it was required. Is it required of us in Christ to believe what he has said to us in the word of God? Yes. The only thing that pleases God, the only thing that pleases God is faith in his word. 
which I can say is contrary to the way the world rolls, which I can say is contrary to popular opinion, which I can say will make you stand out. When you make a decision that contrary to hope, you believe God. And hope believed, so he became, so that he became the father of many nations. So he became, just like Sarah, conceived seed and bore a son. So he became the father of many nations. Well, what if he did not? Hope in God. Well, what if he did not believe the word? Well, what if? He could have come with his own little doctrine as well. Well, you know, it was too difficult. Well, you know, Sarah never really, really ever, in the height of her fertility moments, been able to conceive seed. Well, you know, maybe God really had a desire for Ishmael to be my only son. And, you know, maybe, maybe, you know. You just never know, you never know, you just never know. No, <laughs> But there'll come a moment when we will know. When we stand before that seat of Christ, we will know. We'll know. Where we aborted the mission, where we went all the way. Well, no. And we'll also know that it was never on his side that brought about a stoppage in our forward run in him. Because in Christ, we've been given eyes to see and ears to hear. So really, why, why so stirred up? Because take a close look. You don't have to, have to, to more than five minutes what it is out there in the world right now. And we're not called to imitate the world, but we're called to undergo transformation because we are a new creation. And so he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be, verse 19, and not being weak in faith, just like Sarah received strength by faith. Her husband, Abraham, the father of many nations, was not weak in faith. He did not consider his own body. He did not consider natural circumstance. He did not consider how far the symptoms had gone. He did not consider how bad it really had become. He did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. 
He did not waver at the promise of God. I have read and read and meditated, did not waver, did not waver, did not waver, did not waver, did not waver at the promise of God. Through unbelief. Oh, you know, it wasn't unbelief on my end. God understands it was very difficult. Everyone said to me to seek wise counsel, and the wise counsel around me said the same thing. You're crazy to believe that. Really? That has passed. I'm a little saucy today. It's for my own benefit. I'm speaking to myself as much as I speak to the one the Lord leads this way. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, strengthened in faith, strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, being fully convinced, fully persuaded that what he had promised, what God had promised, he, God, was also able to perform. And therefore, and therefore, and therefore, because he did not waver with unbelief, because he considered God faithful, he was fully persuaded that that which God promised, he's able to perform. Therefore, therefore, what happened, it was accounted to him for righteousness. It pleased God. To believe the word to the natural ear that sounds so impossible. It always pleases God when you have two reports set before you. The world's report that's based on facts. It's all facts. They're subject to change by the power of the word of God imposed over every natural circumstance. And you have the report of the word of God. At every moment in your life, this is what? you are confronted with. And the one will be called the testing of your faith. But if you lay hold of it, there's a strengthening. There is a proving process, a proving process that is really transformation. But if you take the other one, it's called unbelief. That dulls your ears, hardens your heart, and starts closing your eyes. A blindness comes through unbelief. I have so many little verses here. But really at the end of the day, the choice of how our life goes We have a big part in it to play. Whether we believe God, which will be contended, there will be opposition. <laughs> but hey, we have the faith of the Son of God to overcome it all. Or we'll sink in the mire somewhere and want someone to pity us. 
waiting for the trumpet to sound, waiting for the trumpet, waiting for something, waiting, 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 waiting. When God is said, you're more than conquerors. Do not waver at the promise of God. Do not waver at the power of the New Testament that we are now seated above, that we are now our life-giving spirit because we reside in this new man, the Lord Jesus Christ. That the first, first Adam that was a living spirit, but the second Adam is a life-giving spirit and we are now in him, the second Adam. And because we are now in the second Adam, we now have fullness of a restoration of a walk with the Father. Judge righteous based on the faith that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. To stand before the Holy God without blemish in his sight because of the blood of Christ. To live with no condemnation because we are children of the Spirit born from above. To now I have dominion on earth that I don't wrestle flesh and blood, but powers and principalities, but I do have authority in the mighty name of Jesus, and I do have the full armor of God, the very life of Christ. I mean, dude, ha, glory be to God. Raised from the dead as our Savior was raised from the dead, and with his rising we arose into brand new life. This is your reality. This is my reality. And at the end of the day, we make a choice what we believe. And there's a lot of toning down of this truth of the word of God. A lot of compromise to make a living. So we don't stand out and lose our jobs. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. You know, so many verses. Is this important? It was so important that God encountered, Jesus encountered Paul on the road of Damascus, uh, Saul, and spoke to him this very word. Let's see what God spoke to him. What did Jesus speak to Paul? In Acts 26, we read this last week. Accounting his early life to King Agrippa, here Paul says in verse 12, the testimony of his conversion. While thus occupied as I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests at midday, commissioned to persecute the Christians, to imprison them. At midday, O king, along the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining around me and those who journeyed with me. And when, when all had fallen to the ground, I, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language, So, so, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goats. So I said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which, which you have seen 
and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as the Gentiles. Right there, it's a telling statement of what this mission that he'll be thrust into would look like. Great persecution. Great persecution. And as we read the New Testament and, and further on in the book of Acts, we, we see what these are. In perils of man, Paul speaks for Jan. I'll deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you to the very ones that God would deliver him from. He's sending Paul to. Do you know why? God loves people. You see, your testament of the life of God that you have in Christ, your full persuasion of the power of God that resides in you is a testament to those that God sent you to. But don't, don't tone it down. Don't tone it down. Don't, don't, don't be ashamed of the gospel. God would deliver you from the persecution you might just face by being bold. Hey, eternity is at hand. This is why he sends them, why he sends Paul to them, to open their eyes. To open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. That means hell or heaven forever. That they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Wow. Does it matter how we live life? The degree of persuasion that we receive from the word of God. That only by faith we receive strength to walk this out. Let's go then. Here we see Ephesians chapter 1. Paul's prayer. Paul's prayer. In, in, lined up with the commission that God gave him to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness, the power of Satan, unto light. God, for forgiveness of sin. Here, verse 17, Ephesians 1, well, verse 16, Paul says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. What does that look like to you? The spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge. What does that look like to you? Is some sort of an experience that you're waiting on to see some sort of a light? To get some goosebumps? I tell you what this means to me. Time to get in the word of God. For this word is made wisdom to me. That the Holy Spirit has infused this word with the life of God. It's spirit breathe. God breathe. 
The spirit of revelation is in this word to open your eyes. Lest you believe a lie and walk in darkness and are mesmerized by the power of Satan and be taken captive at Satan's will. The God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. How do we know him? Do we go in some sort of a seance, a chanting session? No. No. We abide in his word. And if his word abides in us, we bear much fruit for the kingdom of God. For this is his desire, his will for us, is that we bear fruit for the kingdom of God. Just like Sarah, to conceive seed, to bear many sons for God. To turn them out of the power of Satan, hell bound, blind. What information are you going to receive from the blind? How to live your life? No, we are sent into the world as ambassadors of light. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that is really the eyes of your cardia, of, of your heart, being enlightened that you may know, that you may know, that you may know, not trying to figure out that you may know the hope of his calling. You are a child of God and there is a holy calling on you to demonstrate his life, to give thanks at all times, to be conformed to the image of Christ. This is his will for you. This is your holy calling. All of us have it. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? To be an heir and co-heir with Christ. To know the riches of the wisdom that reside in him, which is the word of God. What is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who lives in us? Holy Spirit. The exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe. That word to believe is actually the verb of pistis, faith. According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. That at that moment tells you you're above every situation. That at that moment tells you you have commanding authority by the Lord Jesus Christ to speak into the storm, to hush it down, say, no, no, no. I live in the peace of God. No, I will be of good cheer. I will not trouble my heart. Which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above. <laughs> and where he is, we are far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he, God, put all things under his feet, the feet of Christ, that we are now part of his body. 
the head in heaven, the body on earth, all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, which is his body, which is his body. The feet, the part of the body and Satan is under our feet, the body of Christ which is the fullness of him who fills all. And now the body of Christ, Ecclesia, the church of the firstborn, has the fullness of him who fills all. And now we're not busted. We're not disgusted. We're not in the compromise of bowing the knee to another. Only the Lord Jesus Christ is our master. Because I tell you, there's a great contending for another master to master you. But we can't serve two masters. And Satan, the God of this world, is a blinder. Let's go to 2 Corinthians. Chapter 4. Oh, Desi, I know that verse. Okay, good. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Chapter 4, let's start verse 1. That, of course, is right after chapter 3 about the ministry of the Spirit in this new covenant. And therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. We don't give up. We don't, we don't, we don't grow faint. We don't lose heart. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth. I read from Colossians last week that we're not to lie to one another. The truth does not lie last Sunday's message. So we don't walk in the craftiness of man, handling the word of God deceitfully, deceitfully, for self-benefit, for self-promotion, for money, for salary. But by manifestation of the truth, what does that look like? The word made flesh in you and my life. <laughs> manifestation of the truth. Commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if, verse 3, even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The ones that we are sent to. The one that Paul was sent to, that God was going to deliver him out of their persecution. But even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. And so this is our prayer. Their eyes be opened today. They will not be dull of hearing. They will not, will not close our eyes to the truth, but we'll be demonstrators of the truth of the word of God. Let's go to chapter 6. Because it's not on God's end. It's not on God's end. 
in Christ, our eyes are fully opened. Chapter 6, Paul writing to the Corinthians in verse 11. Hmm. Oh, Corinthians, he says, exclamation mark. Oh, Corinthians, we've spoken openly to you. We've spoken openly to you. Our heart is wide open. You're not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections. That word restricted is narrow, compressed, but you are restricted by your own affections. That word affections is your inward parts, your heart, your emotions. James, hmm, that's a tough one in James. Whenever I need correction, I come to the book of James. You know, talking, let's, let's, let's go first in chapter one, earlier on from where I want to go, but, um, to tie it with what Paul told the Corinthians, you're restrained by your own affections. Um, verse 12, James one, blessed is the man who endures temptation to resist Satan and Satan will flee. Blessed is that one that endures temptation for when he has been approved, He'll receive the crown of life. Doesn't matter how you live life. Doesn't matter whether you resist the temptation or you cave into the temptation. Yes, it matters. Doesn't matter whether you live compromised or not. It matters. Because based on that, there is a receiving of a crown of life. Let's start again. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he'll receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. To love God is to resist temptation. To love God is to withstand Satan steadfast in the faith. To love God is to receive strength by faith, to conceive seed, to bear fruit for the kingdom of God. To be a doer of the word of God. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. Oh, you know, maybe I just had to learn a lesson God had to teach me. No, no. He yielded to own flesh. My own affections were restricted, restrained. I'm tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one of my, this is challenging. <laughs> each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. For you to be tempted, it's because there's something in that temptation that you're familiar with, that you're craving. So that is there to demonstrate it's time to die. 
It's time. What does that mean? To silence that affection. To silence that desire. Lest you fall into the snare of the enemy. Yes, God is using it to demonstrate a weakness that He says, My grace is sufficient for you to overcome this weakness. But it's not God tempting anyone. But the enemy brings a little match up to these desires that entice us. Yeah. You can spend some time meditating verse 14. And may it convict you as it convicts me every time. Cannot blame God, nor the devil for that matter. As we have refused to undergo transformation to be a living sacrifice. And we come into these places of snare and failure. But why these lessons? Why the word of God? So we be strengthened to receive that power to overcome by faith. 15, then when desire has conceived, here we see another conception, but it's not of seed of the word of God, but evil desire. It gives birth to sin and sin when it's full grown brings forth death, brings forth death always. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, not by a lie, by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Praise God. Let's go to verse 22 and we'll wrap it up here. Well, verse 21, therefore, therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness, receive today, you and I, we, we receive today with meekness, the implanted word, which is able to save your soul, to renew your mind, your mind, your will, and your emotions. The word of God stabilizes it, calms you down. Lines you up, brings you up above the moment of the torment. Glory be to God. To be able to withstand the temptation, whether it's to, wor whether it is to worry, to fear, whatever it might be, the temptation. But he, sorry, uh, verse 12, 22. But be doers, be doers of the word. If you don't know the word, how would you be doers of the word? So back to the word we come. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, not hearers only. Deceiving yourself. This is really how deception creeps in. When we're just mere hearers of the messages. Mere hearers of the word and not doers. Refusing to allow the word, the hammer of the word to silence every evil desire within us. If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. He observes himself, goes away 
and immediately, immediately forgets what kind of matter he was, what kind of man he was. But he, this is you and I, he who looks into the perfect law of liberty. What is the word of God? The perfect law of liberty. You want liberty? Abide in the word. Don't let those old affections of the carnal nature restrain you and restrict you. And make it narrow so you not be a doer of his word. But come into the narrowness of the word of God that is pure life divine. Abide in the word of God, the perfect law of liberty. To set your mind at ease. To know again. Against all hope. In hope you believe. In the one who's given you the promise. For he is not a man that he should lie. For God who does not lie, who cannot lie, made the promise that he is for you, that he is in you now. Back to James 1.25. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, this is the key, continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one, this one will be blessed in what he does. Will be blessed in what he does. For if God is for you, who can be against you? God has blessed it and no one can reverse it. Glory be to God, we are done. Amen.